welcome. And now that you're here, we're all in the company of your cool aunts. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And this is the Your Cool Aunts podcast, where we follow the lives and times of cool aunts through Claire Julio's diary. So welcome back. And if you're new here, you can join the conversation in our Facebook group. There's more on our website and Twitter and Instagram too. So follow us, like us, subscribe, and now let's get to it. We are looking at episode number five of season two. Yes, My favorite season so far. Quick comment before we look at the note and open the diary to our listeners across the world, I might add. Right? Yeah, everywhere. I have a map. It's official. I have a map, and I've started to pin the locations. I am doing what Claire did with her tourists after the after oh, their cool. uh, tours through the coves and where everyone would put a pin in a map where they were from as they sampled the champagne. Yeah. So maybe what we should do is pin that map up on the Instagram page. This is a possibility. Or the Facebook page or someplace but where people can see it. I'm so thrilled. I'm so too. thrilled. I'm seeing people from... I, I don't think there's a country in Europe where there, we don't have a listener at this point. We've got all 50 states right across Canada. Um, as far... A little thin in South America. We just have a couple of people in Argentina following us right now. But, you know, down there we have more of a language issue, I think. So, hola. (laughs) Share with your friends. That was the beginning and end of my (laughs) (laughs) Spanish experience. And anyway, we love it. We're growing. We appreciate it. It is, um, it's amazing to watch it grow like this. I guess it's referred to in the business as organic growth, but whatever it is, I'm thrilled to see the map light up as it has. So, And if you're sharing it with your friends, please keep sharing it <laughs> and have your friends share it. So stop it. We can touch more. This people. is not an ad spot. No, it's not an ad <laughs> spot, but you know, we do get excited when we see another, yeah, another subscriber pop up. So, okay. Enough of my advertising. So let's get on with it. This is entitled, It's Not Just an Umbrella. Claire's note, nieces, aunts, and friends. And she writes, I am sure everyone knows the feeling. That moment when you realize that you've lost something. Oh, God, I know exactly. That sinking. You've left it behind and are panicked, trying to remember the last place you remember having this thing, whatever it was. Everyone knows this feeling, like, oh, no. And for that moment, it's the most important thing in the world. It could be anything, but it's the most important thing because you can't, you don't know where it is. She continues, meaningless things like a cheap pen and things lacking meaning are easily replaced and do not warrant a second thought or a search. So a cheap pen, you go, where's my pen? Uh, Forget it, whatever. And she says, I grew tired of replacing cheap utilitarian things in my daily experience. Now I try to replace them with more intent, paying attention to the design and function. I know what you mean, Claire, on this one. I know exactly what you mean. Well, you, I think when you think of utilitarian as not being something you should spend a lot of money on, like a pen, for instance. Yeah, but it's But not, you wind up spending so much more in the long run. But you know what? It's not usually better things cost a bit more, of course. But sometimes an inexpensive thing, if you like it, you hang on to it, even though it's inexpensive. This, if, if you really like it. You make it special. Yeah, right? yeah. So anyway, 
She's being intent about replacing things and paying attention to design and function and not just saying, this is fine, this will do, right? Of course, it was Laurent who prompted me to stop replacing junk with junk. (laughs) My first attempt was with sunglasses. Normally, I would use or buy anything because I knew they wouldn't be with me for too long. And then I spent the time and a bit more money to find a better pair, design, function, everything. I kept them in a case and still appreciate them every time it's sunny. (laughs) I think ultimately, I've probably spent less on a more expensive pair because I'm not replacing them every few months. They've become a part of me now too. And we'll talk again soon, Claire. So the title of this is, It's Not Just an Umbrella. So sort of know where that's going. And she's told us she's now replacing cheap junk with more intentional purchases. And Yeah, well, I also think that it's the thing becomes special, right? I mean, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you put a little time into the acquisition, it can become something special. It's also when or where you acquired something. Have right. you uh, bought an umbrella on the street when you were traveling and then, oh, this is the umbrella I bought in Paris that day. No matter how much it costs. And it, it can be associated a with cheap the, umbrella. Yeah, it's associated with You tend the, to hang on to that experience. one just a little bit longer. And you are disappointed when you lose that one, even though it was cheap and, you know. I think we should open the library. No, but I think we should open the diary. What do you think? I good? think the library, the diary is a good thing. <laughs> no, what I said. Yes, we should open up the diary. Let's get to it. It's not just an umbrella. Laurent once told me, only acquire things that bring you real pleasure, a pleasure to own, that you know when you really love a possession because you're willing to protect it. So much so that if you left it behind in a restaurant or wherever, you would immediately turn around to search and to retrieve it. To make her point, she recounted a story of retracing her footsteps one day in Rems, looking for her umbrella. It was a typical autumn day that began with a drizzle and later cleared to a deep blue sky and steady northwesterly wind, a longer-than-usual lunch at the Café des Arts. The reappearance of the sun allowed her memory to cast aside the umbrella's presence hanging on the back of her chair. Leaving lunch, she walked for about 10 minutes, made a few stops along the way, and boarded the tram near the cathedral. I know exactly where she is in this. I do too. Yeah. The Café des Arts is right across the street from the court and the opera, right? Uh, yes. In that main, yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right there. I had to get there for a bit. <laughs> okay. She made a few stops along the way and boarded the tram near the cathedral. They have a wonderful tram in Rems. They committed the money and space to it a long time and it's ago. Beautiful. And it, it's beautiful. I love light rail in cities. It yeah. it really opens a place up. It's it's terrific. Yeah. Always always improves a place. I'm sure it must be profoundly difficult to get people to agree to do it. Hmm. You Probably. know, even when you have you know federal government support for the money and everything. You know, the shopkeepers hate it because of parking and all of that. But ultimately, they've proven time and again that when they put the light rail in, their businesses go up. Sure, they suffer during the construction phases for sure. But um, I believe that when they do it in these small cities in France, they also have programs to help shopkeepers who are impacted by the by the construction disruption, if you will. 
Well, I remember being in Montpelier. They don't do that kind of thing here, but yeah. I remember being in Montpelier, and they also had light rail. And under the city was this incredible parking lot, so you could drive your car into the city. There's and a find parking a place lot to park. under a main light rail line that is probably half a mile long. Huge, yeah, like yeah. thousands of cars park under there. So, so when they dug up that big boulevard, they dug it out, and they. The whole thing under the rail system is a parking lot. It's 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 amazing, and it's expensive too. I might add. Well, but you could take public transportation and not have to worry about exactly. that. Exactly, I know. So Laurent is on the tram in Rims. Okay, she boards the the tram near the cathedral. That's when she noticed another woman carrying an umbrella and realized she was empty-handed. Oh, it's that moment. <laughs> and she's on the tram, right? Oh, so she can't get off. She's already on stop. it. So she has to go to the next stop. <laughs> okay. People in cities like Rims know that a left behind possession will likely be held for its owner. Their somewhat laid back response to something left behind is not panic, but more one of an inconvenience. Many will wait until the next day to retrace their path, knowing it will be held for them. Laurent, ever the Parisian, immediately. <laughs> She's a big city girl. No, she's not. She's actually a small village girl, but she's oh. a big city girl now. Paris and New York. Immediately, Laurent retraced her steps because this umbrella was worth the time and effort. Made in England, it was of a quality intended to be inherited. Elegant in its exceptional length and slimness when wrapped. A handle of burled walnut. It was pure silk, black silk. It was an amazing sight to see when the tightly wrapped silk was unfurled because it fully protected two people from the rain. The silk stretched so tight that raindrops bounced and drummed off. <laughs> you know, I could hear it. The end cap of the handle was sterling, engraved with an equally elegant LP, her initials. Its acquisition is a story unto itself and likely as precious to her as the umbrella. Oh, now well, I need to know the story yeah, of the acquisition. The I don't it. think this is where the story's going. You notice Laurent has these, you know, when she shows up at the at Claire's house. We she don't has know these personal accessories <laughs> and things, you know, a bag and the bag. Yeah. Right. She probably has a great keychain, you know. Um there is a place in London called Swain Adney and Brig, and they are, I think, the royally appointed waterproofers, meaning raincoats and umbrellas. Well, you know how the royal warrant thing goes too, right. you know, it's a paid for designation. I mean, it's earned too. I know that, but it's worth quite a bit. And they make these incredible works of art umbrellas. We're talking over $500. Not too, too long ago, I saw an article in the New York Times about this type of umbrella where actually in the Edwardian era, People had, well, well-to-do people had several umbrellas, and they would be picked up during the day, brought back to Swain Adney, where they would be re-wrapped, because the whole thing was to have a very tightly wrapped umbrella that looked more like a cane. So if it had been unfurled, it was kind of like, you know, dirty laundry. You know, it needed to be re-wrapped. And the, and the store would re-wrap it? Yeah, and then they'd, you know, send it back with a, a kit. To oh, the, that's cool. Yeah. guess that job's over. Where do I, where, why do I have, why does my, where do I acquire these stories? I have I no know. idea. I don't know. But I do remember near um, Luxembourg Gardens in Paris, there's a, there's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful um, umbrella shop. Well, wait a minute. 
Here's the difference between London and Paris, right? The London stores, they're very serious and they've, you know, they've been doing it for a long time and they're royally appointed waterproofers. And I guarantee you 90% of the umbrellas are black. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a different kind of place that has the more decorative type of thing. And then in Paris, first of all, it's called a parasol. No, it's called a parapluie. Oh, parapluie. But right. there are parasols for women. Right. But that's not for the rain, a parasol. Right. A parapluie is for the rain, right? Mm -hmm. But this is, this is my point. The difference between London and Paris, you know, London, it feels like a very serious thing. Well, they have a lot more rain, I think, than Paris, too. Paris has its fair share. But you know that a Parisian umbrella would be more stylish and fashionable. And, well, fashion is just expressed differently. Let's put it that way. Yeah. The shop in Paris you started to say it, it there's a shop in Paris. well i'm sure there're more than one but there's a shop in paris uh near the luxembourg gardens that specializes in umbrellas but beautiful you know parasolish kind of umbrellas you know more um design designer yeah. umbrellas and i guess yeah they they're i would imagine if you walked into that store versus going to a store in london where that's what they do that's you know that's what they're known for you'd have a different style Mm -hmm. aesthetic between the two shops. I don't know how long ago it was, but I also remember reading this. This always struck my funny bone, and I guess that's why I hang on to it and remember it, that when Queen Elizabeth decided, well, when the palace decided that people needed to see the queen more readily, and, you know, they have umbrellas deployed so frequently that they started to use the bubble type of clear umbrella for her. And they're trimmed in whatever <laughs> dress color yeah, she has yeah, on that day. I, yeah. hey, I saw great. that the other day. It, it yeah. should be. She's the queen. It should be. So so much. I, I wonder if Swain Adney. I don't uh, think Swain Adney Brig makes a clear bubble umbrella. Do I'm roll just it up saying. And, <laughs> do they roll it up for every day? I don't think they make anything in vinyl. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Well, anyway, Laurent reverses course. She returned to each place on her route commiserating with the shopkeepers who offered to keep a watch for the umbrella just in case. She laughs, recounting the search as though the umbrella was some sort of escapee that shopkeepers would keep a keen eye out for until she returned again with a smile and a tap of the umbrella handle on their windows. All smiles. Search warrants canceled. Decent people are everywhere, even in New York City. That's where a cab driver followed me for three blocks while I window shopped honking at me because I had left my umbrella on the seat. I noticed him waving the umbrella out of the window, yelling, Hey, lady, you forgot your umbrella. <laughs> That's so New York. That is so right? New York. Hey, you're lucky. You're lucky you, he tracked you down. That's a great story. So Claire has taken Laurent's advice more than one occasion, obviously, about acquisition. You know, don't just buy junk and replace junk and... I do think it sort of degrades your attitude towards things. You know, everything's plastic and cheap and a throwaway. It's a throwaway. It's, it's very much throwaway. Eh. I think it, it says and a lot you don't, about... you don't care about things that you use, you know, frequently a pen or... Wouldn't you rather use a beautiful pen than a junky pen or, a, you know? Yeah. I think that has a lot to say. To, it goes with the idea of this fast fashion that you just buy clothes to throw it away. Exactly. Or you buy clothes to just put on... So you can take an Instagram picture and oh, then you throw well, it away. Oh, that, right, um, right. As opposed to 
you know, really beautiful clothes. This is not the behavior of cool aunts. Yeah, vintage. You know, you buy something. <laughs> I bought an Armani at a vintage store one day, and I still have it. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful piece of fabric. It will never, you know, it's navy blue. It's gorgeous. Right, right. Um, as opposed to continuing to buy the same old thing and not being happy at the end of a season and it winds up in, you know, goodwill or somewhere, you know, if you buy quality things, vintage things, especially are that are of good quality, you can keep them for a long time. Sure. And I think that we are seeing this transition pretty much everywhere. I mean, the fast fashion is still ongoing and, and that still exists, but you've seen I don't want to say artisan, but you see authentically made things that, you know, they're quite expensive, some of them, but they're built or made with the intent to last. And you, for example, denim, a pair of jeans, big deal, these denim jeans made with the selvage edge and, you know, the old, it's like the old, old fashioned denim that was boardy and, you know, just brutal to put on the first time. But once they're broken in, they're yours and they have the creases. And, you know, if you want to put that kind of effort into a pair of jeans or shoes and boots, you see, made with, you know, handmade lasts. And uh, you know what company was like this? The the place in Detroit and they were bringing back Detroit with, you know, this uh, locally designed and made things, Shinola. And they got the in, watches. And- yeah, they got into a lot of other products, too. And um I mean, I don't seek to promote one company. Just an example of uh, going back and looking at some vintage things. I think like a vintage Timex watch was was their inspiration. And my point being that over and over again, I'm seeing things made like they used to be made with a modern take on it. I think it's a good thing. And intended to last, intended to be with you for a long time. Yeah. Not yeah. a, not a uh, you know, every other month buying a new watch, but right. having something that means something. You know, do you something. need seven pairs of jeans or, you know, two? I, I guess, guess it depends. <laughs> exactly. It always depends, right? It depends. That's always the answer. So I, Laurent is telling us is that the lesson to be learned from this is buy better, mm-hmm, last longer, mm-hmm. have a memory associated with the thing mm-hmm. that you purchase, and it will bring you joy later on. Indeed, it will. I um, let me uh, let me offer a couple more examples. Fabrics on some things. You see, as I as I just mentioned, denim, the fabric and fiber. And I should say the fiber that has come back in a, an enormous way is linen, and linen falls into that category. I mean, talk about an ancient fiber. You know, linen blouses for the summer, and just that look of you know that rumply linen look. Oh. God. You know, that reminds me of a woman we saw in Ronce one day, and she had on, she was all linen from head I, to toe. I know exactly what you're saying. And it was that real thin, beautiful, handkerchief flowy linen. handkerchief linen. And she looked like a cloud walking down the street. The She had on a long, je- it was a long vest kind of thing. It looked like and, uh, long panels of fabric, you know, because it was a wide leg pant and a long vest. And they were almost like, like a, a melon color, yes, like a very light. Yeah. Very light. It was the picture of summer. She looked like a million bucks. And it was down a little street. bit breezy. Mm. And so the fabric, was, it, it, it was a photo shoot moment. The, fa- the way the fabric and the way she was moving and the way the fabric was following her, really, 
It really was very pretty. But my my back to my point about linen becoming like the fiber of choice lately, and that and that speaks very much to the the notion of lasting. You know, it's got kind of a vintage idea to it, and. You know, when you just run through a few things in your closet, you see several things like that popping up, you know? Yeah. Good fabric is always a beautiful thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing with sunglasses. You did? Mm-hmm. When I started wearing Bosch and Lohm sunglasses, quite a, you know, a good, a good number of years ago, and I bought their classic aviators and always kept them in an eyeglass. There is nothing that makes me crazier than when you see somebody and they have sunglasses on the dashboard of their car and they turn the corner and the sunglasses slide. Oh, God, how can you see through those things? It's funny how people don't care that much about sunglasses, but they do care about their glasses if they wear glasses, you know, because you're spending a lot more money, obviously, on a on a pair of prescription glasses, for instance. Yeah, but if, if they spend money on the sunglasses... They'll they be would in treat a case. them, yeah, right? They course. would treat them the same yeah. way, but they don't. You know, they're disposable. That's yeah. how they look at them. This is so. true. So buy better, buy less often, and you'll be happier. Create a memory. <laughs> it's really creating a memory. Creating a memory. Well, it's where you acquire it, when you acquire it. You know, sometimes it is how much you pay for it. You know, it forces you to pay. It forces you to pay better attention to it and keep track of it and take good care of it. I think we're beating this topic to death at this point. Okay. <laughs> and I think there's go. a lot of agreement out there that sometimes you'll spend, ultimately spend less if you initially spend more. That's a good note to right? leave on. Yes. Well, all right then. Well, all right then. So hop on over to the Facebook page and let us know what is your favorite thing that you bought. Yeah. What have you decided to spend a little bit more money on and... Uh, Stop replacing all the time. Anyway, so like Ted said, let's keep it going in the Facebook group. Anyway, I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And we'll see you next week when we're We're back back at at the mic. mic.